This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. It's time to talk TV again. It's time to talk the Logies. In fact, the 60th TV Week Logie Awards. Neither, I shouldn't say at the start, uh, Andrew Mercado, my guest today. Welcome back, Andrew. Hi, James. All myself were there, but we were certainly there on the couch. <laughs> I watched every moment. So did I. Um, wondering if it would ever end. <laughs> and um, it did eventually. But um, gee whiz, it seems to have created a, a few... Um, few talking points, hasn't it, this year? Yeah, it kind of ended up being controversial. And I actually thought this was going to be a kind of a celebration of 60 years of the of the Logies. And they didn't really go there, did they? They kind of moved to the new location. Yep. And there really weren't a lot of kind of retrospective clips was or anything like that. very little nostalgia, wasn't there? <laughs> which, which is sort of good because sometimes that, can, that gets a bit tiresome, you know, and they do it a lot. And the Logies has done it a lot over the years, but... Yeah. Having said that, a few little tips of the hat to... It's a big deal to get to 60 years in something. I mean, something. We, we've talked before about that great um, TV Week special edition, yeah. 60 Years, where they had those stats about them, even just a little a little few seconds of that, you know, who's what shows have won the most, which person's won the most, would have been great to drop that in at, at different places, but it didn't happen. And did you notice that somebody who obviously listened to our podcast sent out a tweet and said... Uh, would I be the only other person apart from us two that would have the original Logies retrospective magazine? And I'd forgotten all about it. Yes, they brought out one for 21 years of the Logies. Oh, okay. Um, and it is home somewhere in my collection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm not sure where to start. Let's let's talk about the, the good things before yeah. we get to the controversial sure. points of the evening. And um, there were a lot of good things. Oh, there was, yeah, yeah. yeah. But look, it was by far a, a complete train crash. I mean, I probably would have, I mean, you feel like you've got to watch it, but I, I wouldn't have. If I, if I still thought it was just a shambles, I would have gone to bed Yeah, much earlier. But no, I stayed with it. There's some good stuff. Um, Network 10 won the uh, most awards. They walked away with eight um, Logies this year. And that must make them feel great, right? Because they, you know, it's not reflected in their ratings, um, and they get, you know, they get a lot of bad press for that, and they've had a lot of tough times. But it must be a real shot in the arm to that staff to say, "There's not a lot of people watch us, but the people who watch them are really connected, sure, because they voted." Yep, yep. So eight from our twenty-one nominations. Uh, next best was the ABC and Foxtel, who both won four. Yeah. Which was uh, pretty good for both of them. I'm not sure if it's the most Foxtel's ever won at one Logies. I've got a feeling it might be, but um, really powered along by our uh, Wentworth. Well, Wentworth which... did the double hat trick this year. They, they didn't just win the most popular drama as voted for by the viewers, which is, which is a huge deal for a show mm. seen on subscription TV. When a show... Beats out home and away that has how many more times the viewers, then that show's doing something really right. And then they won the most outstanding drama. And, you know, I completely support both those decisions because Wentworth's doing something that we've talked about here before, and I'll say it again very, very quickly. It's a show that travels really well overseas because it's so outrageous and in your face and has these moments almost verging on gore horror that make you just go, what? <laughs> what did they just do? I mean, that's the 
TV drama world we live in now. These HBO dramas, Game of Thrones and all that, have moments that get people talking and Wentworth is constantly upping the ante and inserting scenes and characters and storylines that are, you know, stretching credibility now a lot of the times, but nevertheless you just go, I cannot believe they went there. And they also won for up Pamela and Rabe, wasn't it? Yeah. One for um, most outstanding. Most outstanding actress, I'm yes. pretty sure. Yep. Um, and, you know, the, is it her last year? I mean, I'm up to episode four of Wentworth. I've got a couple more there to watch on Media Preview ahead. Uh, she's still not in those opening credits. Mm. Uh, if indeed her character is in a box, buried alive, <laughs> never to return, what a great send-off for her. But, you know, the freak is almost approaching a kind of a mythological monster cannot be killed character now, so I still reckon she's going to turn up in Wentworth one day and scare the bejesus out of us. Yeah, it was a most outstanding actress for her character, Joan Ferguson. And she gave a very funny uh, acceptance speech too, you know, her it was, tape, pre-tape. It was, it was good, wasn't it? Yep. Um, so both, yeah, Foxtel and ABC both won four. Both had a similar amount of uh, nominations. Foxtel actually had 18. ABC had a little bit more, 20 um, Just one more thing I went yeah, with yeah. before we leave it. They're on the cover of TV Week this week and there's a photo shoot in here with the girls all glammed up, which is something they used to love in the day of prisoners, you know, when you're wearing denim overalls and teal hoodies. And I just want to say how incredible the cast looked. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Tammy McIntosh look more beautiful than that shot of her hugging all the girls. They all look great, but it's just... Have her uh, teeth been whitened in that shot? They, oh, she... They're pretty bright from here. So. It's, uh, they, they, she looks incredible and she's on the cover of the mag and, you know, great to see Boomer in there as well, all glammed up. Uh, it looks just great to see them yep. on the cover. Yep. Um, where were we? Uh, nine won three awards from um, probably rightly a little bit disappointing, three from, from 22. Yeah. I say that because I think was it um, uh, Dr. Doctor had, I think it was up for a total of five between yeah. Roger Corser and the show itself yeah. and didn't get anything. And yet it got it last year. Yeah. You know, so it, it just didn't carry it through into a sophomore year there. But uh, I still think Dr. Doctor's a great show. Um, and I noticed they dropped the trailer for the new series. So they were, they were dropping – nine was – kind of promoing all these new shows during it and the trailer for the third series of Dr. Doctor kind of pretty much spelt it out, although they didn't say so. It doesn't look like Steve Bisley uh, is surviving. The, that, <laughs> the dad farmer character that never, ever had a lot to say looks like he's in that box being lowered into the ground and uh, those brothers are going to fight about the land. So, you know, I know they're filming Dr. Doctor now. I, oh, I think it's a great show. Uh, SBS and Stan both won uh, two awards. Um, what we see are uh, nine nominees SBS had, but yeah. Stan had the best return of two wins from five nominations. That's really good, isn't so it? It's uh, pretty staggering. And both um, interesting programs that we both loved. Um, Safe Harbour. Yeah, Safe Harbour was, was so great. And, you know, Hazim Shamas, who uh, played the taxi driver in Safe Harbour, who won, uh, you know, Best Supporting Actor. Look, 
he's actually who I voted for. Mm. I looked at all those categories and the acting categories are so hard to pick one. But, I mean, he was the guy that from the start of Safe Harbour, you were watching him going, what's going on in that guy's head? And he really brought, he really had you from the the moment he picked up you and Leslie in the taxi, you were kind of looking at him going, there's something else going on here. So that was a great performance and, uh, you know, I hope he gets some other work out of it. And the Stan wins were both for a romper stomper. Jacqueline McKenzie won for um, <clears throat> most outstanding supporting yep. for her role as a Gabe Jordan. Yes, <laughs> re- re- reprising the role that she'd done in the movie all those years ago. And um, the series actually won for um, most outstanding miniseries or telly movie. Great, which was um, which pretty good. It was up against you know it was um, you know beat Safe Harbor. Yep. Beat, uh, well, yeah, that, that would have been the biggest uh, threat, I guess. It was between that. I'm a bit surprised Safe Harbour didn't win that. I was kind of surprised too, but but I can't really comment because I didn't watch all of Romper Stomper. I watched the first episode. I thought it was good. I just wasn't interested in those characters. And I, it's, I feel the same about the feature film. I watched that movie with Russell Crowe and was kind of almost physically revolted by it and thought that's a great piece of cinema, <laughs> but, whoa, I never need to go into that world again. And I felt that way about the miniseries as well, but it was great to see Jacqueline McKenzie uh, there because she was in an Aussie movie last year that didn't do very well, Ben Elton's movie Three Summers, and she had a small part in it, but I tell you what, she was so bloody good in it. She really stole every scene that she was in, so great to have Jacqueline McKenzie back working so much. Absolutely. Um, some of the talking points from the evening. I thought, um, as usual, Hughesy opened the, the evening. I thought he was uh, really pretty good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, look, he's great. He, he kind of has that thing where he sort of slams you and then goes, oh, no, no, I love you, I love you. And, I mean, that's kind of where he got into trouble with the Don Burke thing too, didn't it? Correct. He was having a go and he went back into his shtick and, you know, a lot of people have been saying to me on social media, oh, you didn't have anything to say about Husey. And it's like, actually, I was watching Husey and that was a mistake. And he just made a mistake yeah. and then he went, oh, that's gotten a bit weird. <laughs> and then he went off stage and clearly had a bit of a freak out because he mm. sent Hamish and Andy out to, you know, clear things up. But, you know, his mo- his opening monologue in terms of setting the tone for the evening, I reckon he does a great job. They always u- they used to use him later in the show when he first started doing it. He'd come in to kind of revive the energy, but he's so good at what he does, now he opens the show. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And he's got that job for um, for life if he wants it, Yeah, one would imagine. Now, the, I mean, you can take his stuff out of context and beat it up into sure. life, but and he was really hard on this person or he hammered that, but if you watch it, he doesn't. He does it with sort of love and it's a, yeah. it's a comedy routine. I don't think anybody that he talked about would take any offence. I think everybody has a fair bit of sense of humour and is prepared to be sort of mocked intelligently by by someone like him. Um, the other, or what was new, what was and and it worked, was the uh, voiceover, Tony Martin. Oh, sensational. Early on I was going, what, what's happening here? And I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then as it sort of the evening went on, you, you really warmed to it, and I just yeah, I thought it was very good. He said some incredibly funny things. There were there were gags in there for people who 
new, th- obscure things about Australian TV, but there was also incredible off-the-cuff remarks that he made about things that he had obviously not written in advance. The most hilarious being when the Jess Glynn, that singer that I'd never heard of before, she came out and she sang, she came out in the, those pants, the leather pants with with the ripped denim like she'd just been at a Gold Coast schoolies event and Tony Martin said, oh, a bit embarrassing, I'm wearing the same pair of pants. I mean, really, really funny stuff, you know, and and Tony Martin loves TV and um, there was a a divided opinion as there is about everything in the world now on social media but I thought the Logies is for TV lovers and there were some real gags in there for TV lovers. He'd really thought about it and done it done his homework and I'm already a big fan. I've always been a fan of Tony Martin and uh, I particularly loved uh, a lot of, there's still a whole Facebook group, fans of Get This, that show he used to do on Triple M with Ed Cavalier uh, all those years ago and those guys were going insane. They loved it and they cut it <laughs> cut it down so that they've, they've put a broadcast of the Logies out on YouTube with just Tony Martin's lines. Okay. You can watch them in one hit and they, they got it. They got all the references and and uh, I thought it was inspired uh, to get him to do what are normally very kind of plain, boring voiceovers. You know, he was great. Yeah, it really turned it into a, um, a high point, didn't he? It really yeah. turned it into, you know, with this, this little thing, as you say, it was something, just a formality that you would never think twice about. Now it's something you, you look forward to and... As they, as they went to an ad break, they came back or introduced somebody. It was fantastic. And his his very last line for the night as the credits are rolling, he goes, I'm going to go find Sean McAuliffe and Lockie Hume and we'll do some pingers and champagne. Thanks for watching. Like, <laughs> really funny. And he is friends with those guys in real life if you watch him on social media. They're, they're constantly stirring each other up. It's very clever. Yep, it's good stuff. You can, of course, see him uh, reasonably regularly now too on um, Have You Been Paying Attention? He's um, very worthy on that guest as well. Um, the the biggest talking point of the night was possibly, and everybody using one of your tweets in their uh, their stories, was uh, poor old Bert Newton. Yeah. And um, when he came out, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was great to see him back on the Logie stage. It was great. I'd actually let, I'd actually got up to make dinner because they were doing the sports awards. I'm like, oh, great, I've got a few minutes. <laughs> I, I'd come home from work. I hadn't had time to eat. I, I was glued to it. Went great. I, and I, I, then I got distracted. And then I've got to, Then Bert came on. It was like, oh, God, there's it. I'm missing out. I sat down, so excited. Sat down. He started with the reminiscing about Graham Kennedy. I'm like, great, we get some TV memories. And then. He just went off track. I was like, mm. Bert, what are you doing? You could see it coming, couldn't you? You just knew when he started to go up. Well, it started to get a bit awkward. And The first clue to me that something wasn't right, it was the first time that I'd looked at Bert and thought, wow, Bert's getting old. His voice was a bit trembly um, and he, I just went, oh, he's just not quite himself because... He's getting old. We all are, you know. And uh, But then the comment he made about that, look, there's so many things wrong with Bert Newton's comment about mentoring young talent behind closed doors. Let's start with the fact that Graham Kennedy and Don Lane are known to be great friends of his and they're both dead and not around to defend themselves. And people have been trolling me on Twitter taking offence at what I've said. I've offended them. I don't have a sense of humour and get over yourself. And, you know, Graham Kennedy would have pissed himself laughing at that. 
Graham Kennedy would not have laughed at that comment. Graham Kennedy was paranoid about protecting his private life. He came from an era where you could not be gay. He was in the closet. It made him very, very paranoid. And to make a joke about locked dressing room doors and what's going on behind it. Bert was there and he should have known better than to say something like that. And it's all very well to say, oh, you know, that's Bert's old vaudeville gags and all that sort of stuff. But it was disrespectful to them and the Me Too movement and what's been going on, that humour is not funny anymore. And for all those men out there, because Mark Latham retweeted it and had a go at me, and all those men that are saying to me, there's no such thing, women who got raped 30 years ago and never said anything, they need to get over it. You know, blokes, (laughs) you need to shut up. And we're living in a new world now, post-Weinstein, and it is not funny anymore. It's not funny to make jokes about blackface anymore. It's not funny to make jokes using the N-word and it is now not funny to make jokes about what went on behind locked doors with people in positions of power. End of story. And I'm really sad that Bert Newton has missed that and went down that track and (sighs) describing himself as an old poof. What is that about, James? It's (sighs) either he is or he isn't. And if he isn't, Why is he saying he is? And it's that word is not as bad as it used to be. And people went, oh, you get over it. Look, the word doesn't actually offend me anymore. I actually grew up in an area where where that word was really offensive. But like all words, like Nick Giannopoulos did with the word wog, he reclaimed it. And gay men have reclaimed the word poof. And gay men can say about themselves, I'm an old poof. I can say I'm an old poof amongst my friends. And that's okay. If you're not an old poof, don't say it. Mm. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, no, it was just it got – and as he went on, you just thought, oh, no, please stop. Stop. <laughs> you could just see it going wrong. And he, he should have taken some advice or something, I guess, because he's since said he didn't have a script or anything. Yeah. He was just winging it or whatever and wow. I don't think anyone's to blame for it. I mean, TV Week and Channel 9 aren't to blame for it because that Bert's done that – at every Logies. This is the first time in a long history of fantastic, hilarious Logie performances from Bert where he just comes out and nails it, boom, 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 and he does talk off the cuff, and I get all of that. But have you been living under a rock to have noticed that the, the climate around this issue has changed? That's where he just really messed up, and uh, it, was, it was the word for it is inappropriate. Mm. Stop saying I'm offended and I need to get over myself. I'm not saying I was offended. He was inappropriate. End of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure if we'll see him back on a a Logie stage again, you know. No. uh, (laughs) It'd be be too dangerous. I think he's maybe done his dash there. Um, What about the um, Julia Morris song about the um, how did you... How did you take that? I mean, I thought it was. I looked, remember watching it, thinking mm, it's an interesting take on it all. But you yeah, know, making light of it, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I really loved that moment. I really loved a bit of hilarious uh, Julia Morris musical number stuff. But again, this is not something to make a joke about. Mm. 
It's just not. And it's not about not having a sense of humour. You know, we're not out there making jokes about priests and kids in confessionals on national TV talk shows, are we? No. We don't. You might make a joke like that amongst your friends, but it's not considered family entertainment. So why is it okay to make jokes about women that have been raped, even though Julia Morris is one of the loveliest women in the business and and I actually missed that line in it. I was watching the show, but by that stage, Twitter was going crazy and I was kind of dealing and I was watching it and I actually missed the line. But then when I read it back, I probably would have had something to say about that as well because I just don't think it's something to make a joke about. Yeah. Yeah, and I always deferred if, if the people who've been in those situations don't think it's funny, well, hey, totally. don't go there. Totally. You know? Just don't do it. Totally. There's enough to be laughing about and yeah. gagging about without, you know, having to upset um, people who have suffered, I guess. Yeah. Um, any other sort of things and memories you've got from the night? That, I really um, liked that Scott Tweedy, who hosts The Loop on Channel 11, was yep. brought in to introduce some of those acts, you know, and, and this is not saying anything negative about Richard Wilkins. Again, he has done a sterling job for it for years and years and years, but we're all getting on in age. And I distinctly remember when I worked at Channel V and Max, I, I, I was saying even then, you know, this is kind of crazy. I'm like a guy way older than the the audience I'm speaking to. And, and I realised the, the, the jumping off point. It's time for me to go. And, you know, it's you can still use Richard at the Logies, but I actually think it's, it's actually a, a lot better to have someone like Scott Tweedy, who is actually talking to that audience every Saturday morning, introduce Conrad Searle and, and, and do those acts that he did. And I welcome the introduction of him. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good presenter. And I think that's smart to sort of start mixing it up and not just have us old blokes that have been doing it out our whole lives. Yes, there are some Logie traditions you want to keep, but there's some you should look at and say, you know what? for the young, cool, funky music act, let's get someone a little bit younger and cooler to do it. Mm. And Richard can still do the top and tail and all of that. So I welcome the addition of Scott Tweedy. The music wasn't particularly memorable, I didn't think, on, on Sunday evening. I mean, you win some, you lose some, I guess. But yeah. So, even that Kelly Rowland was sort of – it would have been great just to have Kelly Rowland, but without that guy, there was a, there was a lot of funny comments on social media about, yeah. you know, some bloke, some stage invader yelling out over her at the – from the back of the stage, you know, but it just didn't really work, did it? Having well, um, he, well, he won the voice. Sam I know. Perry. Yeah, Sam Perry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He won but, the voice and his single hasn't really charted. I don't think he's too concerned about that. He's going to go off in his own direction and do what he does. Um, and I, But, yeah, I mean, someone whose single isn't working, what are they doing performing at the Logies? I know it's about TV, mm. but, yeah, it was all a bit. But oh. even the way he just yelled, it was just, you know, it was yeah. ooh, the mic sort of. It was kind of like a, a moment of filler to me. I yeah. just kind of went that they got them like because the show would have needed a musical act around that point and there were only three international acts around here at the time or two if you count Conrad who's a mm. brizzy boy. Um, yeah, they just kind of had to throw her in there. Yes, yeah, yep, yep. No, it wasn't uh, fantastic. Um, anybody, I mean, uh, any awards you were particularly thrilled with people winning? I mean, that... Um is it Dilrook uh, Jayasena? Oh, well. That, that was a great dumb. I loved that. 
I love that because you know I thought I thought of them all. He is the the guy that is doing a couple of things at the same time. He's very funny as a comedian on Have You Been Paying Attention, but he's also very funny acting in Utopia. You know, and there are. You know, there were a couple of contestants in there where I was like going, oh, God, really? And Graham Kennedy really would roll in a grave if a reality star, you sure. know, won an award. I mean, Matty J seems like a really nice guy, went on The Bachelor and then did a couple of stand-in roles for Chris Brown on The Living Room and he got nominated for Most Popular New Talent. I mean, mm. if he'd won that award, it'd be ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Dulrook getting that, really, really great for me. That was the uh, Graham Kennedy Award for Most Popular New Talent. We should talk about Grant Denyer. Yeah. Uh, winning. Um, congratulations. It was, um, it was interesting, wasn't it, how that campaign, I think that campaign really took off when it was... I think it did too. ...when um, Tom Gleeson... Yeah, went uh, wide with his um, support on the um, the on the weekly on the that would have been the Wednesday night. Uh, Daniel for gold hashtag took off. A lot of other ABC shows jumped on the bandwagon too. Had Tom on explaining why he was doing it. Um, he went on the project the next night, and it just snowballed and obviously made some sort of a difference. I love Tom Gleeson, <laughs> and I love the weekly with Charlie Pickering, but don't really like what happened here because okay. the reason about that was wouldn't it prove that the Logies are a farce if the guy whose show was axed won? That was the gag. And, yeah, that's funny but it's kind of like, see, I don't think of the Logies as a farce. I'm one of those few guys in the country that actually watches it and go, yeah, great, let's award, give out awards to excellence in TV. And you got Tracy Grimshaw and Amanda Keller women that have been on TV for how many years, doing amazing work for all those years, and a comedian comes in and railroads it to go, the Logies are shit, and it worked. So it's funny. It's a funny gag. Mm. And I'm not saying that Grant Denyer didn't deserve the award, um, but the reason behind that campaign, I don't really like that much. And a sentiment sort of expressed similarly by a Russell Crowe. He did. When he said, yeah, look, this is just some guys having a gag when yeah. this looked like it was going to be the year of the women. Um, and I never agree with Russell Crowe most of the time, but I actually <laughs> went, wow, I actually agree with Russell Crowe on this. So, yeah, it was a bit weird. And there's been a bit of commentary since too that maybe this live voting isn't, you know, it, la- it allows it to be maybe manipulated in the week. Why not just have it? let the people vote once and then that's, yeah. the, that's the decision. Which is where we were at the, a few years back that time that Hamish won the award and they went, oh, yeah, that's because he's got 2 million Twitter followers and he put out the call and that caused this last-minute surge, you know, that it, it does. It is, I know that this is something that TV Week need to keep working on all the time, but, I mean, they must know... If they go back and look at the stats, they must know where the votes were heading um, up until. And yes. if they could look at those, if they could see that after this uh, campaign from Tom Gleeson on Wednesday night took off and put Grant Denyer in the winning line, then they should change the rules so that that doesn't happen again. Otherwise, they're putting on an awards ceremony and comedians can go, oh, yeah, let's prove it's a fast by doing this. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, seriously, mm. look at the numbers. For all we know, Grant Denyer was going to win the award anyway. We don't know. They will know. 
they must have a daily breakdown of the awards. So if they can see that this campaign was was uh, was hijacked by a comedian saying their shit, they should probably look at changing that live voting somehow to make sure that doesn't happen again. Yeah, I'm not sure how they do that. Can't, um, mm, but you, you've got to think, yeah, it would have had an effect, but as you say, maybe Grant was already leading. Maybe he was, we'll never know. Mm, but. but then even if it... In future years, if someone wasn't leading and they did the similar thing, so yeah, but, um, yeah, they'd, they'd have to look at that. Um, just won the uh, one award for uh, Home and Away, Ray Ma. Yeah, um, keeps them the number one show all time in yes. the Logies. But as Ray explained on the night, <laughs> for them to keep their average up, they need to win one and a bit. Yeah. And that didn't happen this year. Yeah. Look, I thought it was really nice that he won the award because, look, he is popular and he yep. won Most Popular Actor and Raymar's iconic uh, in the world of Australian drama and soap in that show. And it was lovely because he got to – there were two things he had said in his speech that I really loved. The first was that he talked about the crew. He said, this this award is shared by everybody. We've got such a hardworking crew. And, you know, uh, but sometimes people looking – looking in on the, the Logies, often say, sorry, where are the writers in the room and where are all the crew people? And we like, unlike the Academy Awards, for example, we don't hand out awards for best cinematographer or stuff like that. It's always about the actors and the talent. So when someone like Ray Ma says, I really want to draw your attention to the hardworking guys who are there before me and are putting the equipment away, like, that's really important because I've worked on those sorts of shows and I can tell you, they were the best experiences of my life and people who work on crews, you know, I would have laid my life down for. I never, ever worked in such a loving atmosphere where I wanted to go to work every day and, and see those people I worked with. So people who work in Australian crews are great. I'm so glad Ray Ma acknowledged that. And then he also was able to uh, give a little message about Cornelia Francis, you know, maybe up in heaven with a glass of champagne. That was really sweet and that was particularly uh, touching coming from him because they played uh, brother and sister on screen together. So he was the perfect guy to just give her a little bit more of a eulogy. So it was really lovely. Sure. Hall of Fame. Yeah. 60 Minutes. Yeah. I was sort of reasonably happy with that. I mean, they've, yeah. they have that, had their ups and downs. Some people said, well, they didn't really mention the the big bummer of, <laughs> of a couple of years year ago. But I mean. Not. Been uh, in how long has it been on Andy? 40 1979. Years? So that 40 years, or is it 78? Uh, it, it always it's a long time, it's a long anyway. time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, in that period of time, you're going to have um, lots of wins and some pretty big uh, losses, yeah. And their biggest loss would have been that, um, it premiered in 1979, okay. So, we're getting to that point where it's about to celebrate 40 years, yes. since it began, so yeah. So that's, um, you know, yeah, and it was great seeing all those people on stage together. Wow, what, yeah. a, uh, what a cross-section of journos. Yeah, there. and they've done a massive uh, photo spread here in the, the okay. new issue of TV Week, uh, all the current cast that is. Tom Steinfurt looking very nice there in the white uh, suit with everybody else on the stage there. Um, but, yeah, to bring out, to, as soon as Yarn Event walked out, you went, okay. It's 60 minutes. You know, the gig was up when she walked out. And so it's always so good to see Yarn Event. You know, yeah. it's great. Mm. I noticed there was a Peter Ford uh, tweet a little earlier in the night. He said, how would people feel about 60 minutes entering the Hall of Fame? 
Yeah. So we obviously knew yeah, what, yeah. Was, what was doing. But it was interesting. They were all dressed up. The only person not with a tie on was a George Negus, I think. He's and always he, been the rebel, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he sort of had a coloured shirt under his jacket. Yeah. And, at least he put a jacket on. There was some formality there. Yeah, yeah. So um, and also very interesting too that um, and they've been promoing this before Sunday night, um, promoing a very big Sunday uh, 60 Minutes this Sunday night, okay. which is the daughter of Carl Williams and Roberta Williams. So we're back to that underbelly saga that never seems to go away on Channel 9. The daughter now all grown up, Dakota. I think you spell her name D-H-A-K-T. <laughs> Dakota <laughs> Williams, tell all. Right. And uh, they're obviously expecting big things of it. They've been advertising it like I think more than 10 days out in advance. I'm... So that's their big push for Sunday night because Sunday night you've got Australian Ninja Warrior back. Yep. And then that 60 Minutes episode, uh, House Rules beat the Logies in the ratings this year. Mm. But I don't think they're going to be able to beat a combo like that. That's going to be hard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think Seven had a bit of a spoiler last Sunday. They had that repeat of that doco. Was it Carl Williams' Women, I think it was called? Uh, did they try to do that, I think, yeah. Was it a repeat or it might have been a mm. – I'm not sure if it was a repeat or first time it had been on. Yeah. Did did so-so uh, numbers, I, I think. Um, look, that, that anything else? That sort of covers me for Logie's. I was going to jump onto a couple of other things. Yeah, no, that, 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 that really covers me as well. Yeah, no, you know, a few downers, but it was – yeah, it wasn't a bad year. I mean, no. it, was, it was still a worthy um, a worthy awards night, I thought. I was still sitting there watching till the yeah. bitter end. And I'll be there next year too. Yeah, so was I. <laughs> it's, it gets very difficult. You're on Twitter, you're mm. on Facebook, and then I've got, you know, two friends in particular that are also texting. Okay. So, you know, you're going between three mediums and trying to watch it. Yeah, it's full on. Yeah, I'm not good at multitasking, so <laughs> well done. Well done. I just wanted to mention, um, I think it was on his way back from the Logies, Carl Stefanovic stopped by a newsstand, it looks like, at the airport, picked up a copy of uh, New Idea and there, yeah. he, there he was splashed all over the the cover, something like, I think the cover line was the moment that, um, what did it say, the moment that, uh, I've got it here. Everything all went horribly wrong or something, isn't the it? The moment that ended it all. Uh. Which was actually a beat up of a, um, I think, a TV Tonight story. David Knox had a bit of a chat to Carl when the Today Show did a week in Melbourne recently. Yeah, and they had a bit of a function for the media down there, and Knoxy wrote it up, and then um, New Ideas gone and beat it all up. They originally um, incorrectly mentioned it was an interview that he gave to TV Week, <sighs> but, but it wasn't. It was actually a TV Tonight interview, and um, Carl's sort of Carl. Held the magazine up and sort of laughingly pointing at it and said, <laughs> "said you know what do you say? Um, another day, another cover from no idea. Just just for the record, the only thing broken in this photo <laughs> was my serve, and I and I have years left on my contract. You guys rock. Yeah. So he was. You know what? If you can, if you see. Uh, Carrie Bickmore, Lisa Wilkinson, or Carl Stefanovic on the cover of those magazines. Now you can pretty much be sure it's a beat up and complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> Last time I was at Channel 10 uh, doing Studio 10, walking down the corridor, there's Lisa Wilkinson and Carrie Bickmore standing in the corridor having a chat, having a laugh, mm. and you walk out the door past the news agent, they hate each other. <laughs> the fight that never felt like, give me a break. Like seriously, that's all you've got. Just going after those same people over and over again. It's really getting boring now. 
It's it's July. Lisa Wilkinson left the Today Show how long ago? They're still making up stories about it. It's ridiculous. Well, they obviously think it sells a certain number of copies. Yeah. But, uh, the circs are declining of those magazines. So they are. It's not... Uh, those stories aren't as powerful as they used to and be. And you know what? When you look at their websites uh, and their online presence, and I look at it and I go, not crash hot, and I can see what they're trying to do. They don't want to make the website better than the magazine or why would you buy the magazine? But seriously, guys, we're coming to a point here soon. The future is online. So figure out a way to monetize and make that website better because your magazine's going down the gurgler. It's just a fact of life. And I think they need to be putting some more time into that online presence and maybe a little bit more honest reporting. Find a niche in the market that somebody else isn't filling and figure out a way to move into the future. But making up a story about Carl Stefanovic every week and putting on a newsstand, that's not sustainable. <laughs> you wouldn't think so. And as I say, we, we think their circulation is going down because they don't reveal them anymore. So um, Don't they? No, when did they, they stop that? Oh, it be best part of two years now. They, they count readership, but they don't count circulation, which they, right. they used to count both metrics. Yeah. Gave you an idea of how they're going. Channel 9 still has a post-Logie's breakfast, even though it's relocated to the Gold Coast, where they celebrate their wins. Yep. And they make a few programming announcements about what's coming up, and they... And then they promote the shows in the back half, like Hamish and Andy will be starting very soon. Yep. Ninja Warrior, of course, and then The Block. The they block. made an announcement for a new drama too. They did, absolutely. Bad Mothers. Starring Jessica Marai and one of our favourites, Mandy McElnini. Yep, yep. Uh, who used to be in Love Child with Jessica Marai. Yep. So they're being reunited. Yep, correct, yep. Um, and uh, Jessica Tovey. Is it Tuvi or yeah, Tovey? Yeah, who used to be in Wonderland and Home and Away. Yep, absolutely. And, and also um, an Indigenous actress there. Shalom, I think, Brunei Franklin or Brune Franklin. Is she the one that was just in Picnic at Hanging Rock? I looked at it and went, I'm going to have to do some research on you. She's also in Doctor Doctor. Right, gotcha. And she was also in Algo. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So I read the synopsis of it and it's about um, mothers with kids in primary school. It it sounded very much to me like I read the synopsis and went, oh, that sounds very much like House House Husbands Husbands. to me. I hope it's got a darker edge. It said something about the title says Bad Mothers. So I hope this one's a little bit harder, a little bit edgier. It could be a little bit darker perhaps. Uh, It's juggling the highs and lows of parenthood, careers, love and wait for this, even murder. Okay, so it well, will that's the be, direction um, it needs to move in because we don't want yeah. cutie kids stuff like we had in House Husbands. We don't want a buddy movie. Do no, we, we a don't. Buddy series on that. No, 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 no. It has to be the opposite of House Husbands. Yep. And we need some really bad behaviour from these women. <laughs> and then I'll watch it and be really excited. Yeah, it's going to be made by uh, Jungle. Yep. So it'd be interesting to... Um, Their first one-hour drama. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah after be, many comedies. So you see where that goes. I mean, they've got a... Bit of a connection with Nine Stan, haven't they? They've made a lot of stuff for Stan. Now they're sort of um, making some stuff for Nine as well. And And when you think about the Moody's on the ABC, there were some dark 
dark moments in there. It was a comedy and it was funny, mm. but underneath the surface there was some really dark shit going down. <laughs> so that, that's the stuff I hope they're going to pump into Bad Mothers. Yeah. Good luck to them. One of the other announcements, um, something called um, Lego Masters being made by uh, Endemol Shine for nine. Lego as in the toy that you put yeah, together. Yeah, I think this is just sort of a family entertainment program. Right. Um, where they sort of, it's a challenge to see what you can build with Lego. Okay. So. Family, well, it's original you know. at least. Is it original or is it an overseas format? I think it's a format. Right. Yep. yep. Okay. But it uh, it could do well. I mean, I'm always intrigued to how people build those amazing Lego sculptures, if you like. I mean, yeah. But look, most people with families in Australia, there's Lego littering one corner of the, <laughs> yeah. the lounge room floor. Um, so I'm sure there'll be an audience there that uh, that might watch it. Um, look, uh, before we wrap up, any other little things? I know Ninja Warrior starts this week. I'm be interesting to see if it can keep those massive figures for nine, especially after the spoiler seven had. I think we mentioned that in a, a previous podcast. You know, yep. they weren't able to get a show away. So that'll be uh, obviously a very critical part of uh, of Nine's schedule for the back half before the uh, block takes over. Yeah. Um, James, I watched the Hannah Gadsby special on Netflix. Oh, okay. Have we talked about this? No, we haven't. Okay, so I started watching it one night and I got about 20 minutes into it and went on the nod and I just went off to bed thinking, don't understand why people are <laughs> raving about that. It's just a nice kind of innocuous kind of thing. Mm. But then... I kept reading things about it and then a few nights later I thought, I, I, I bet it then. So I, start, I watched it through to the end and now I get it. There was a tweet I saw the other day. Somebody tweeted, if Netflix took all their shows off the platform and just had the Hannah Gadsby special, it'd still be worth its subscription fee every month. Blimey, that's a big rap. There, there's, you're watching a comedy special and then she takes this diversion and goes into this dark area that you don't realise you're going into until you're sort of into it and then you can't switch it off and it becomes incredibly moving, incredibly raw and real and then you discover why people are going, wow, what an incredible uh, piece of theatre that it is. And it also ties all back in in, in, a, in its own little way to the Me Too movement and all that sort of stuff. And she reveals some incredibly personal things and doesn't hold back and it's absolutely, it, it, it deserves every plaudit it gets. It's, it's an amazing uh, piece of television. And it's just all one woman though. It's just, yeah. just a, from it's her on the stage at the state. Opera House. Wow. You know, and uh, making jokes. And for the first 20 minutes, especially if you're a bloke watching that, mm. that would be going, oh, my God, do I have to watch a lesbian making lesbian jokes and all that? I encourage you, stick with it and get and listen to what she has to say. It is very powerful. Wow. That's my tip this week. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll definitely go and watch that because I've noticed some of the uh, commentaries around it and I thought, you know, oh, well, this, this could be interesting, but I've been playing catch-up, still trying to get up to date with uh, – a whole lot of shows. Um, all right, look, it's been great uh, getting you here in Sydney. Thanks, James. Um, hopefully it won't be too long before we can uh, eyeball each other again. Let's hope so. Okay, thanks, Andrew. Thank you, James.